welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, or the Reformation Sunday, for the week of October 28th, 2018. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into the podcast, and I'm excited to get into the first announcement that this week, we'll have a lot of readings to get through because some churches are going to do the Reformation readings, and some will do the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost Sunday readings. And the reason I'm still going to do all of them together is I think they actually work fairly well hand in hand. There's a lot of really cool, unique ways that I think we can tie these two together and still show what we're trying to show with the Reformation. So before we get into it, I want to do my shameless plug as I always do for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions there, it's worth the time. Since I'm not an ordained minister, it gives me a lot of perspective and guidance into some of these readings from some of the best theological professors who teach it. So who better to go to? So as we get into this week, we need to review what we talked about last week. And last week we talked about arrogance. We talked about how at times we can feel overconfident. So the question that we have for the podcast this week is where are you arrogant And where do you feel that you know God better than God knows God? And I know for me, that's one that's difficult. It hits to the core of who we are. We like feeling like there's something that we really know, something that we're very, very confident in. And at times, God will humble us. I know for me with this podcast. There's a lot of times where you feel like you're getting in a flow, you feel like you're getting confident, and then all of a sudden you get to the next week and it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't plan enough time to really be able to dig into the subject. What am I going to do? And that's when we have to start relying on something other than our own strength to be able to do something. And that's the beauty of having that type of faith connection. And I don't think it's really that far removed from what we're going to be going through. So first, I'm going to go through the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost readings, and then we'll go through the Reformation readings very quickly and then talk about how these all come together. So the gospel this week will come out of Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And this is where there is a blind man on the side of the road, Bartimaeus. And he hears that Jesus is there, wants to have mercy on him. People are trying to say, be quiet, be quiet. He's busy. Jesus tells him as he continues to call him to come near and ask him, what are you looking for? And he is looking for his sight. And so Jesus then gives him his sight. And I think there's a couple things that are really important to note that I'm going to briefly bring up right now is... One, he keeps having this son of David have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is before the cross. So he is admitting this faith statement before it has what many people would come to know him as, has already been taken care of. Secondly, you have where when Jesus tells him to come near him at the beginning of verse 50. So throwing off his cloak. 
And if you think about throwing off your cloak as a blind man, there's an act of faith that is going into that, that I will be able to find this. Or in this case, that he will be able to see this. And I would also recommend not overlooking the final line. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. It's not that he just regained his sight, but he continued to follow him in this process. The first reading then is from Jeremiah 31 verses 7 through 9. And this is where we get the nations of Israel. The nations are singing the praises of God and what he has done for them. That he causes the paths to be straight, leading them by water. These ideas of that God is there to bless us. The alternative first reading is out of Job. This is the last week out of Job. Job chapter 42 verses 1 through 6 and 10 through 17. And this is where we kind of have where Job is at the end. He is getting his, the Lord has now, as he's gone through these trials and tribulations that the Lord has put with him, the Lord has continued to bless him, showing that as he has persevered, as he has stayed with the faith, that the Lord has blessed him. If you look, this is kind of another representation of how a lot of the Old Testament prophets that we end up hearing about were quite wealthy. As they go through, starting in verse 12, through the end of the passage, kind of going through the blessings that Job has received. The psalm then this week is Psalm 126. It's definitely, I would see as kind of this praise psalm of how the Lord continues to provide in these times and continues to give to those who are willing to call upon his name. The second reading is out of Hebrews chapter 7 verses 23 through 28. And as we're marching through these continued weeks of Hebrews, we get more and more the conversation of comparing the high priests of the day to what what Jesus was and how great and how much Jesus was able to provide for people so that he is blameless, is undefiled, is in going through and listing some of these different things of how he has been able to provide for us. So if we go through then the lectionary texts for Reformation Day, if you're going through those and we'll whip through these very, very quickly, the gospel text is out of John chapter 8 verses 31 through 36. And Jesus is then talking with the people around him, talking with the Jews. And I think there's a very important line here that really kind of continues on. There's a couple of them. So if you continue in my word, you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So that's coming from the end of verse 31 through 32. And then I'm going to pick up again continuing part of his sermon in verse 34. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has taken their place forever. So the son makes you free and you will be free indeed. So this idea of how Jesus is the freer, Jesus is the one who really gives us the true 
freedom that we're looking for, that the truth or his word is providing that freedom that we're looking for. The first reading is out of Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. And again, this is talking about how you have the house of Israel and the house of Judah and how the Lord has provided for them. There's a brief mention of reminding them of what they've gone through, but that there's a greater leader coming. The psalm then would be from Psalm 46, the whole thing. And this is, again, kind of the God flexing his muscles type of psalm, if there was such a thing. Starting right there in verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. That God is there. He is providing. He will be the one who helps us in our time of need. The second reading is from Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 28. And this is, again, where we get this interesting text of comparing law and works and how Jesus, through what we have done, works within the law that his works then show the faith. And it's really the separating factor in all of what we do is the faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. It's the faith that's the most important, and it's a Paul reading. So it's the faith that's going to be the factor that really pushes us closer in that relationship to Jesus. There's a lot there to unpack. And you're probably thinking, Tyler, how are you going to be bringing all of this together. And I think there's a couple ways and a couple things that I can think of when we're really trying to dissect what is the Reformation about and what is these readings really trying to get to the heart of. And when I am looking at the Reformation, it's having us thinking about and contemplating that what we have perceived God to be, that he's bigger than that, that he's done more than that. And it's the beginning of us kind of going through some of these different things that we'll be talking about. You know, some of these readings, especially in Mark, we're getting close to where actually he'd be being called into Jerusalem. But it's this process, this idea of look even at the last few weeks as the disciples and Mark have been, you know, trying to figure out how is, who is this guy Jesus? And with the, some of the stuff talking about and claiming about his death and resurrection to come and, you know, what are you talking about? You're crazy. You can't be doing that. We're kind of encapsulating all of this. And that even with in the Job reading, if you've been working through Job, how Job, it's been challenging and pushing his understanding of what God is. We look at how when we are thinking about God, we want to be giving this praise and this admiration and these, these gifts to him. But we fall short. We fall short. But I think it's a beautiful image of also how we fall short within ourselves because we are reluctant to accept change. We are reluctant to accept that things are going on around us and we have to take that leap of faith to do something. So, for example, we'll look at 
birds, for instance. We'll just take like a, a raptor, we'll say a bald eagle, for instance, just because it's an easier picture to have. So if you think about when a bald eagle is born, it's an egg. And so it has to be nurtured and taken care of. And then it's hatches. And from that hatch, you then have where it has to grow feathers. It can't hunt. It can't fly. It can't do anything, really, except for squawk at mom and dad to provide food for that chick. So mom and dad are taking care of the nest, watching the nest, making sure they're providing and feeding this young. And as this young grows, it gets, you know, it's early feathers, which still don't allow it to fly. It's growing. It's growing accustomed. It's getting used to the nest. It's growing accustomed to the siblings. If it's in a good area, it hopefully has enough where it's able to provide for their siblings as well. So it's getting used to the siblings and they keep growing and growing and growing and growing. And at some point, the feathers start to develop that it would be developing flight feathers, feathers that are designed for it to fly. And the parents have this key knowledge, like many of you who are parents probably have, that it's time. It's time for them to do something new, to take that leap of faith. So they start bringing back less food, incentivizing the children to start looking at providing for themselves. Start looking at more and more that they have to learn how to fly for themselves, where they're going to sit on the edge of that branch. And at that moment that they're standing on the edge of that branch, their whole life is about to change. We know what the story is going to do, but they don't in that moment. We know that an eagle needs to be able to let go of that branch and trust the air trust itself, trust its wings, trust its feathers, that it's going to fly. But that leap, that liftoff, that letting go has to be terrifying. When we look at the blind man Bartimaeus, what faith he has that he's throwing his cloak aside. He has the faith to state that Jesus is the son of David long before it's actually figured out fully that he figured out the clues, that it's his own faith that makes him see. And it is an eagle, even after it learns to fly, there's a point where then the parents have to shoo them away from the nest so that they go and become their own individual eagle. But just like us, we have to be okay with taking that leap of faith, both the parents and the child, just like the adult eagles and the young, how often we are reluctant to take that leap of faith. Yet, when we look at the Reformation text, it's the truth that will set us free. And we know that the truth is the faith. So that the faith is setting us free, and so we have to believe that things are going to be okay. We have to trust that Jesus has it figured out that we're going to be okay taking this leap of faith. But how often do we reluctantly do that? One of the things as I was preparing for this week's podcast, I ended up going back to an older working preacher from 2015 to prepare for the the Pentecost text. And Ralph Jacobson, who is one of the three people who help host Sermon Brainways podcast, is in a wheelchair. He 
and I don't know the whole story behind it, but ended up having where he lost function to his legs in high school. And he talks about how for someone being disabled, how difficult some of these healing texts can be with the faith because these healing stories are so fundamental to our faith in a lot of ways. Trusting that things are going to get better, trusting that God has it in his hands, and trusting you hear all these stories of all these people being healed, and suddenly they're sitting there or being there that they can't, they're not healed. And the, there's major questions on if they can be healed. And I can only imagine feeling that, understanding what does it actually feel like to be that. And I think then they look at this healing story in a different way. And I think it's a refreshing way. Because if you think about, we'll take Ralph Jacobson, for instance, there's still the faith there because he's still seeing the blessings of what has been provided and the blessings that are still happening around him that are still developing. I think about looking at, and I'll attach a video below, how in the last 50 years, how how far we've come with prosthetic limbs, with trying to figure out how do we better help these people that have been gifted in a different way, been going through something that many of us will never go through. And how do they see this blessing? How are they rapple and deal with this? How many things that we take for granted, but they still have to have the faith to take that step. The faith to know that as they're going through things that are not common with many of us, abled-bodied people that we just don't understand They have to have the faith that there is a community who does know that they're going to be okay. I think it's one of the things that we as able-bodied people need to spend time with and grappling with. In high school, I had the opportunity of taking on some people who played wheelchair basketball actually at a fairly highly competitive level, and the high school basketball team got to compete against them. I was terrible. I couldn't do what they did. They pushed the chair like three times and they were down the court and I'm pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and not getting anywhere. Entering their world, entering and realizing how unable I was and how them showing the faith of their day-to-day life, the challenges that they were going through and being blessed to be able to show me something and help me understand their world. So how does this all come back to what we were talking about? There's a video I just ran across that just came out within the last two weeks uh, from a guy named Jerry Rig Everything. And he had a friend who, again, was in a wheelchair. And one of her comments was, how when she was using like a wheelchair bicycle, it's using then her arms to pedal and how tired her shoulders would get and how limiting it was. And so unbeknown to her, he modified two electric bicycles to build this electric quadricycle for her. And it's actually a very cool video. Again, I'll attach it down below. I'd highly recommend it. The freedom that she is able to experience, talking about how she's able to go on something other than asphalt, being able to scale these different hills and stuff that she said I wouldn't even think about attempting with my wheelchair. The freedom that gave her, the gift that that was, just like Jesus giving us the gift of life. For her, this gives her a breath of new life to be able to experience a little bit more of the creation that he has laid out for all of us to experience. 
So as much as these are a faith's story, I would see this as as much as a, like a lot of the different psalms and stuff and readings we're talking about, giving praise to God for what he has done for us, for what he is doing for us. These are gifts. These are things that we can often underestimate, underappreciate, but realize that the gifts that he is giving are remarkable and deserve to be treated as such. So if we're thinking about the Twitter question this week, I think it's going to be a twofold question again. I think it's one, where do you need to make the leap of faith? Where is God leading you to make that leap of faith? And two, where are you forgetting to count your blessings? For me, this last week, there were some different things that made it very difficult to grapple with a couple different things going on. And I was gifted with time. I was gifted with time to correspond a response that's going to then be more effective. So it isn't just a reactionary response, that it's actually well thought out and can then be more collaborative instead of argumentative is one for me. But I think it's something that in this world of go, 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 we don't often contemplate. And it's, it's sad. And it's something that I'd argue, take a moment and challenge yourself and really think about these. I'd love to hear your responses either on Twitter, on the Faith and Psy pod Twitter handle, or shoot me an email. I'd love to talk to you about it and further this discussion more. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.